Thank you for joining us today. We hope this teaching inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you tools for everyday life. We encourage you to visit us at mbcocala.com to discover more about the life-changing ministry at Meadowbrook, as well as convenient ways you can partner with us financially in helping people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. Enjoy the message. Good morning. How are we doing? You guys doing well? Hey, will you do this? Will you stand with me? Let's just raise our hands. This is our way of saying, God, we want to receive from you today. We are expectant that you're going to speak into our lives. Let's pray. Father, we adore you. We thank you that you are the rock that we can build our lives on. And I pray this morning that you would speak to us, encourage us, build our faith. May we be strengthened and may we leave better than we came. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before you're seated, help me welcome our online and East Campus. We love you. So glad you're with us. You may be seated. Well, as Pastor Tim mentioned, he is out uh, this week in San Antonio preaching at a great church. But have you been loving the way he's been leading us through this series? Hasn't that been good? So, so good. So I, uh, I need your help with something. You see, I'm officially way outnumbered. Three weeks ago, my wife and I, our second daughter was born. Yeah, yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, while that is very, very exciting, this now means that there are three women in the house, me and the boy dog. But wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, don't give him too much credit, though. He's a, uh, he's a, he's a teacup chorky. That's a, that's a thing. Uh, he's four pounds soaking wet. I affectionately call him the domesticated house rat. So I'm just not sure he counts. But three women in the house, I, I think this is how David felt in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of Barbies, I will fear no manicures, for you are with me. Your back porch hides me, I mean comforts me. They prepare a tea party before me in the presence of my daughters. They anoint my head with princess crowns. My cup runneth over with imaginary tea. That is what Dave was talking about, right? Right? No? You know what? It's in the JIV. It's the Jordan International Version. But joking aside, I love being a girl dad. I want to show you a picture of my new baby girl. Yeah, there she is with her big sister. Yeah, so it is awesome. Well, we are in week three of our series, What Happy Families Know, where we're looking at time-tested principles and practices that help to make home a happy place. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the single greatest need we have in relationships. Now, there are a lot of needs in relationships, but there is one single need that stands above the rest. The greatest need we have in relationships is the need to be loved. The need to be loved. There is nothing that your spouse wants more than your love. If you have children, there's nothing your children want more than your love. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at how we can meet that need. You know, there's this really interesting story in the scriptures. It's in the Old Testament. It's in Genesis. That's the first book. And 
It's a story about a guy named Jacob. And Jacob is a really important character in the scriptures because Jacob comes from a very significant lineage. See, his grandfather was Abraham. Abraham is the one who God speaks to and says, you're going to be the father of many nations. I'm going to do incredible things through your lineage. And then fast forward, Genesis 28, we find that Jacob, the grandson, he's on the run. And the reason he's on the run is because he's, he stole something from his older brother. Some of you have older brothers. You understand why Jacob would run. But I doubt you went as far as Jacob did. You see, Jacob, he, he dressed up like his brother. Now, his brother is a, was a man's man, right? Had a nice, big, thick beard, probably not like this. Uh, you know, probably did CrossFit, had a tattoo on his stomach that said hunt life. Like, this is a tough, tough guy. And Jacob, he dresses up like his brother, and he goes to his father, and he steals his brother's blessing. And you thought your family had dysfunction. As soon as the dad realizes, this, he quickly sends Jacob away. And, and Jacob, he comes to this particular place. He, he lays down, and he has a dream. Now, have you ever had a dream where when you wake up, you think it actually happened? You ever had that experience? And then it takes a little bit, right, to kind of push away the morning fog and you realize it's just a dream. Well, Jacob has a, a dream like this, and in the dream, God speaks to him. And he says, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham and Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you. And he, here's the real key. He says, I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised. Now, Jacob wakes up and he tries to push away the fog, but it it doesn't fade away. In fact, it becomes more real and more vivid. And he has this realization in Genesis 28, 16. And I want to build today's message off of this verse. Genesis 28, 16, it says, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Jacob, someone who is always trying to figure it out on his own. Jacob, someone who's always trying to do it his way, always trying to push water uphill, has this realization that everything he needed was right in front of him, that God's presence was right before his eyes. What if everything we need for healthy parenting, healthy marriage, healthy relationships is right in front of us? What we're about to get into is something every happy family knows. Like God providing Jacob with his presence, God presents to us a way to meeting the greatest need in relationships, the need to be loved. The pathway is right in front of us, and it's found through the five love languages. The five love languages. Many of you have probably heard of the five love languages. Or perhaps you've read it. It's a book written by Dr. Gary Chapman that came out in 1992. And since its inception, over 11 million copies have been sold. And over the past five years, it's experienced a a bit of a resurgence. It's been on the New York Times bestseller list for 265 weeks. And the book is really built on one single premise. People tend to prefer to receive love in a certain way. People tend to prefer to receive love in a certain way. This is what Dr. Chapman calls the love language, that we all have a love language we prefer. 
And when someone is speaking this language to us, we feel loved, we feel affirmed, we feel valued. The challenge, Dr. Chapman says, is that we may be showing love to those around us. But if we're not speaking their language, they may not feel our love. So here's the question for us. Do we know the language of those around us, and are we speaking that language often? See, every person in here, you have a love tank. You have an emotional love tank. And when your tank is full, you feel affirmed, you feel valued, you become happier. And when you become happier, you become more and more stable. And when you become more and more stable, you become more and more fruitful. And you become more and more blessed to be what? A blessing. And listen, the same is true of our spouse, of our children, of those around us when their love tank is full. They become happier, more stable, more fruitful, and more blessed. And you and I, we have this incredible honor. It's to keep the love tanks in our lives full. You were, I was, created for relationships. Hardwired into humanity, it's this need for one another to serve one another, to love one another. This is why we encourage you, get into small groups. You were built for community. And listen, we know this to be true. Because I promise you, if something incredible happens today, that you leave this church and there's a $100 bill on the ground, anyone want to receive that blessing? I'll take two. And you get that $100 bill, I guarantee you, you're going to tell somebody. Why? Because we were built for relationships. And you and I have this incredible privilege of keeping the love tanks in our relationships full. But here's the dilemma. Often with our spouse, kids, and those around us, we're speaking the wrong language. Now, this is not on purpose, but our natural inclination is to love others the way we want to be loved. And so we don't realize we're doing it because we're loving them, but we're loving them through our language rather than their own. So let's just say, for example, this is my love tank. It's big. Obviously, I need a lot of love. And let's say my wife, Carissa, she buys me a gift, and this is going to represent gifts. Here's what happens to my love tank. What do you notice? Doesn't make a dent. Why? Because gifts aren't my love language. Gifts don't mean a whole lot to me. They don't mean to me what they might mean to somebody else. But let's say Carissa brings out words of affirmation. Now this is my love language. (laughs) Tell me I'm awesome, and then tell me again, but in a different way, baby. I'm all ears. If Carissa says something like, you know, Jordan, I'm I'm really, really proud of you. Okay, 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 okay. Or uh, have you been losing weight? Girl, okay, 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 okay. Uh, is, your, is your hairline getting thicker? Girl, you better stop right now. <laughs> or, uh, baby, you're preaching so good right now. Whoa! But you get the point. One doesn't make a dent. The other, it fills my tank. See, it's all about speaking the right language. And so the question for us is, do we know the language of our spouse? Because if you want to see the love tanks in your life full, then you have to learn the language 
of those around you. And so for the rest of our time together, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through the five love languages and see how they meet the greatest need in relationships to be loved. But before we do that, I want to make one quick little caveat. I realize in a room like this, we are all over the map. Some of us are married. Some of us are single. Some of us, we are ready to mingle. (laughs) We want to be married. Maybe you're sitting next to the person you want to marry. If that's the case, just give them a quick wink. I'm kidding. Don't, Don't do that or you won't be getting married. Some of us have kids. Some of us don't. Some of us have young kids. Some of us have grandkids. And so it's easy to say, well, I could see this applies to marriage, but I don't see how it applies to everything else. Well, listen, Dr. Chapman and colleagues, they have written how this applies to marriages, but also to singles, also to children, also to the workplace. In fact, for the staffs that I've led here and at Southeastern University, I've had my teams take the Five Love Languages Work Edition, and I found it to be immensely helpful. So please don't check out. What you're going to find is that these languages... They apply in a variety of settings. So let's turn now and look at the five love languages. I want to I start by sharing a story. Years ago, a, a middle school teacher in Minnesota had all of her students take out a sheet of paper and write down the names of the fellow students in class. And she told them to leave a little bit of space between, between each name. And then she said, write down the, the nicest and kindest things you can think about each student. They all did that, and over the weekend, she took those papers home, and she made an individual paper for each student with their name and all the nice things that fellow students had said about them. On Monday, she gave the students their list of the things that were spoken to them. And there was a real quiet hush, but under the hush, you could hear things like, I didn't know people liked me that much. Now, these papers were never discussed again, And a few years later, one of the students was killed in Vietnam. Most of the students, including the teacher, they attended the funeral. And when the funeral was over, the father came up to the teacher. And he said, they they found this on Mark when he was killed. We think you might recognize it. And he pulled out a tattered piece of paper, worn on all sides as if it had been opened over and over again, and handed it to the teacher. And she realized right away it was the list of all the nice things Mark's classmates had said about him all those years ago. Our words have power. The first love language we're going to look at is words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. If you're like me, this is our number one love language, that we feel love when we are affirmed. Mark Twain once said, I can live for two months off of a good compliment. And for those of us who that's our love language, yes, we get why he would say that. This is one of the languages of love that we use words to build up those around us. And to some, it is music to their ears. There are two primary dialects when it comes to words of affirmation. The first dialect that we're going to look at is compliments. Compliments are when we verbally praise, when we verbally love, when we verbally care for somebody else. And here's the key to a good compliment. Make it specific. Make it specific. If this is the love language of your spouse, of your kids, of those around you, make it specific. Our words have the potential to be seeds in someone's life, but an unspecific compliment, it's not going to take root. But a specific compliment has the potential 
to grow into something meaningful in their lives. Making it personal, when I was early in ministry, I worked for a church down in Lakeland, Florida, and I was given a very specific compliment uh, by the worship pastor. Twelve years later, I'm still carrying that compliment in the pocket of my heart. Your words matter. The second dialect is encouragement. See, all of us have areas where we feel insecure, but something happy families know is to speak life, to speak encouragement into the areas of insecurity in their spouse, children, and friends. Because those words can often be the very thing that unlocks the potential in that relationship. Book of Proverbs tells us this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. There is so much you can do with the words you speak. If this is the language of your spouse, of your children, your coworkers, those around you, speak it loudly and speak it often. This brings us to our second love language. When I was, uh, <laughs> when I was first married, I wasn't getting the hint in regards to my wife's love language. So she was kind enough to create a, a trigger statement for me that whenever she said this, it meant to stop what you're doing. The statement was very simple, and it's this. I need your attention. I need your attention. Uh, years back, she sat me down and said, you're, you're not getting the hint. You're not really reading between the lines here. Any other husbands relate? We're in church. God knows. Okay. You're not getting the hint in regards to my love tank. So let me make it simple. I need your attention. Quit focusing on the next task. Almost every single personality assessment I take, it says pretty much the same thing. You are an achiever who likes to get things done. Now listen, that's great in a work environment. But how many of you know, that does not work in marriage. Can I get an amen from the wives? Ooh, I felt that one. This leads us to our second love language, which is quality time. Quality time. When this is someone's love language, they feel loved when they have your focused, undivided attention. If quality time is your spouse's love language, you can be sure of this. Without an ample amount of your time, they won't feel your love for them. Now, this doesn't mean they won't think you love them. They just won't feel your love for them. And the language of quality time has a few dialects. We're going to look at the first two. The first dialect we're going to look at is quality conversation. Quality conversation. This is conversation that's had where we share our thoughts, our feelings, in an uninterrupted context. And if this is your spouse's love language, then it is critical that you speak and that you spend quality conversation together. The second dialect is quality activities. Do you know the things your spouse loves to do? More importantly, have you filled your life with those things? Now, sometimes it's big, vacations to the mountains, but most of the time it's small. You know, it, it is just, it's hanging out on the back porch and talking. It is wandering the aisles of Target, which I have a feeling that for some women in here, 
Target is your love language. <laughs> In fact, speaking of Target, they put this on their Instagram a few weeks ago. I want to show you. The five love languages of Target. Acts of service. I'm going to Target. Do you want anything? Quality time. Want to go to Target with me? Uh, words of affirmation. I love you like I love Target. <laughs> I'm still waiting for my wife to say that. Gifts. I got you something from Target. And then my personal favorite, because this is kind of true, physical touch. Pushing the perfect cart at <laughs> Target. Listen, it doesn't have to be elaborate. Often it's simple, everyday things done with focused, undivided attention that makes them feel loved. If you were to ask me what is the most important item in our house, I would tell you it's not our bed, it's not our couch, it's not a piece of jewelry. The single most important item in our home is this right here. This may not mean anything to you, but this is the most important item in our house. This is affectionately known as Blanky. Nothing matters more in my home than Blanky. A few years back, someone gave this for our first daughter, Ellie, right before she was born. And now, Ellie will not sleep unless she can cuddle up with Blanky, which some of you are wondering, you probably got here really early. How did you get Blanky? I'm a ninja. <laughs> but the single most important item in our home is a gift someone gave us. This leads us to our third love language, which is gifts. Gifts are visual symbols of our love. And for some, visual symbols are more powerful than others. That every time they see it, they use it, they wear it. There's just a pride that wells up in them for the gift that was given. If this is your love language, you may even be moved emotionally because of the gifts you've been given through the years. Gifts become the expression of love, and they come in all shapes, all sizes, all colors. Some are expensive, some are free. And if gifts are the love language of your children or spouse and money is tight, look for symbolic gifts. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, this sounds great, but I'm just not a very good gift giver. Maybe you didn't get a lot of gifts growing up. Maybe this just isn't natural for you. Listen, that's actually really good news. It is. Here's why. Because when you do make the effort to give that gift, when they see you tried your best, it is going to mean so much more than the gift itself because they know this is not natural for you. This is not easy. And for most people who this is their love language, it's not about the price of the gift. It's the thought and intention that was put into the gift. That every time they see it, it is a reminder, it is a visual image of your love for them. This leads us to the fourth love language, which is acts of service. Acts of service. Dr. Chapman, he tells the story of being up at 6.30 in the morning, and he's vacuuming the blinds. His wife comes stumbling in and says, what are you doing? Turns her and says, honey, I'm making love. <laughs> Acts of service. It means that we are demonstrating our love for somebody. You are showing me how you love me. And this can be as simple as setting the table, being quick to change the baby's diaper, picking up the prescriptions, dealing with the insurance company. Hello, somebody. These are all acts of love. And we see in John 13, Jesus, he models this behavior for us. In a culture where you wore sandals and you walked on dirty roads, it was customary 
for a servant of the house to wash the feet of the guests. And Jesus, upon the arrival of his disciples, he takes off his cloak and he puts on a towel and he demonstrates for us sacrificial love. Sometimes acts of service require sacrifice, especially with parenting. The day you become a parent, you are enrolled into 18 years of service. And you're on active reserve for many years to come. Acts of service can be physically and emotionally demanding. But for some of us, this is the way our spouse, our children, and those around us feel loved. Now, for acts of service to be acts of love, they must be done freely. The way that Dr. Chapman puts it, he says, requests give direction to love. Demands stop the flow of love. This last language we're going to look at is physical touch, which I realize some of you husbands are thinking, finally, my love language. (laughs) That's not quite the physical touch we're talking about. Physical touch in the love language context is, is much broader than that. And physical touch as a love language has power. Our little baby girl, Olivia, she may not understand the words of mommy and me, but she can understand the close affection that we give her. See, for some, hugs will communicate more than words. And we know this to be true. When we've gone through a tough time, when we've gone through a tragedy, it it wasn't what someone said. It was that arm around us that somehow communicated everything is going to be okay. Because physical touch can communicate beyond words. We know this to be true. You've ever come home and you're anxious or you're worried about finances or bad day at work. And just by your spouse rubbing your shoulders, so much of that tension is released. And hugs, hugs can also serve as a thermostat for our relationships. You know, it's one thing for you to tell your kids, say sorry to each other. But it's a whole nother thing to make them hug it out. And physical touch has the ability to communicate so much in our busy lives. We are busy. We have a lot going on. But a hug to our spouse before we leave for work, a kiss on our child's forehead, it communicates that in the midst of the busyness, I'm thinking about you. I love you. I care about you. So these are the five love languages. I would encourage you, if you haven't taken the five love languages, to take the assessment Uh, You can take it for free on the Five Love Language website, and we'll put a link on social media up this week. But please take it. Have your spouse take it. If your kids are old enough, have your kids take it. This is one of the first steps to loving those in our family well. I want to close with this idea. God always wants more for you. We say this a lot around here at Meadowbrook, that we're helping you move from where you are to where God wants you to be. And here's why this matters. Because in God, there is always more. Your understanding of God's faith in your life is nothing compared to the faith he actually has for you. Your understanding of God's love, be it small or be it large, it is a drop in the bucket compared to his actual, actual love for you. And, and your understanding of God's joy is nothing compared to what he really has planned. There is always more in God. And listen, this applies to our families. You may be here, and you have an incredible family. 
You may be here and your family is a little rough around the edges. There is always more for you. How do we get there? It's by moving from where we are to where God wants us to be in our relationships. And everybody has a next step. So I want you to do this for me. I want to challenge you to play a game this week. Play a game. If you're married, play this game with your spouse. If you're a parent, play this game with your kids. If you're single, play this game with family and friends. The game is called Tank Check. Tank Check. Here's what I want you to do when you come home from work on Monday, maybe when you come home from church today, I want you to ask this question right here. On a scale of 0 to 10, how full is your love tank? On a scale of 0 to 10, how full is your love tank? Now remember, we don't get to decide how full someone's tank should or should not be. Only they can decide that. And I want you to ask this question, wait, and then follow it up with this one. What could I do to help fill it? What could I do to help fill it? These are two simple questions that can help us meet the greatest need we have in relationships, the need to be loved. Take the love tank challenge and watch what God will do in the relationships in your life. Did y'all get anything out of this today? Can we do this real quick with just heads bows and eyes closed? We know that there are some here and you're feeling a stirring. And what you are feeling is a stirring to be a part of the most incredible and greatest family, the family of God. And that is done through accepting Christ as our Savior. So can we do this? No one is looking around. If you feel that pull, if you want to accept Christ as your Savior and as your Lord, we just raise your hand right now. Go ahead and raise it up. We're not going to make you stand or come forward, but just raise that hand. An usher is going to come by and put a card in your hand. Once that card is in your hand, go ahead and put that hand down. I'll explain in a moment. But if you feel something building up inside, that is, that is faith building. That is faith stirring. Go ahead and raise that hand. Awesome. Awesome. And then can we do this? It's, it's not going to be weird if your hand's still up. Just keep it up. Well, will you join me in saying a prayer of salvation? And it's not going to be weird because everybody in here is going to say it together. Say, Father, thank you for loving me. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I accept you as my Savior and my Lord. Give me a new life here and a home in heaven forever. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, help me welcome those who are stepping over the line for the very first time. Come on now. Hey, real quick, with that card that was in your hand, just some basic information, if you will, just fill it out and give it to the ushers on the way out. We don't want anything from you. We just want to help you in your next step in your faith journey. We've had a good morning, amen? amen. Let's go out and fill some love tanks. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to this message resource for Meadowbrook. You can stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.